Hello and welcome to Hugh's Joy of Food, a bite-sized podcast celebrating all that's amazing about everything edible, from the simplest snack to the fanciest feast. I'm Hugh Smithson-Wright, and this week on Hugh's Joy of Food, I review the adorable and adorably named The Nook in North London, answer a listener's question about when it's okay to use your fingers in Ask Hugel, and going to the pub is my treat of the week. Each week on Hugh's Joy of Food, I review a restaurant in some way, whether it's one I've eaten at recently, a takeaway, or a make-at-home meal kit. First, a disclaimer. My job as a restaurant PR and consultant means that I'm paid to promote the interests of the handful of restaurants I represent. If I feature a client on this podcast, I'll make that clear, like I do on my social media channels, and in all cases, I'll make it clear if all or any part of a meal I review was complimentary. You can rest assured that everywhere I review, I recommend. This show is about the joy of food, so if you're looking for vicious eviscerations, this probably isn't the podcast for you. With that out of the way, it's time for this week's review. Something I'm often asked is, with so many restaurants to choose from already, and with so many tempting new ones opening, how do I decide which ones to visit? Well, I'll let you into a secret. I have a list. Anywhere new I hear of, whether that's through a review or word of mouth that I like the sound of, goes on the list, on my phone. And anywhere that's been around for a while but I've not managed to get to yet, but that I think I'd like, likewise gets added. Then, whenever someone suggests going for a meal, I'll take a look at the list and see if there's anywhere on it that seems particularly suitable, whether that's for price, cuisine, occasion or area. And if there is, we'll go there, rather than looking online or returning to somewhere I've been before. That's how I came to have lunch last week at The Nook, an absolutely adorable little delicatessen and wine bar in Highbury in North London. On the list since my discerning friend Felicity recommended it, it was in the perfect location for lunch with my friend Charlie, who lives in that neck of the woods. Located on a corner on St Paul's Road, a busy road with an unusually high concentration of restaurants, The Nook opened in August of last year on the site of what used to be the excellent fish shop and restaurant Prawn on the Lawn, which had moved just down the road to much bigger premises. Based on our visit, I can quite see The Nook needing to move somewhere more spacious themselves before too long, as not only the food, but the whole experience was just unimprovably lovely. To start with the decor... The Nook feels a little bit scandy with its white tarred walls and scattering of mid-century modern wood furniture. The tall windows at the front open onto the pavement, allowing for a few alfresco tables, weather permitting. Blackboards announce the daily specials, as well as highlights from the wine list. The food offering is slightly different depending on the time of day you go. During the day, the menu is a deli-like offering of mostly salads, sandwiches, cheese and charcuterie and the like, then at night they offer a more restauranty menu of larger hot dishes. Married owners Lale and Angus, who both happened to be there on the day we visited, very kindly offered us the run of either menu, so we ordered a couple of dishes from each to share. If a single dish sums up what I think Lale and Angus are trying to achieve with the nook, it's the spring salad that we started with. A big, beautiful, boldly colourful bowl full of extremely fresh leaves, tomatoes, radish and asparagus. It came topped with a split-open pod of peas, which we were invited to prise from the pod and stir into the salad, mixing everything into the boldly flavoured fermented wild garlic salad cream it was dressed in. I always say you can tell a lot about a restaurant from how well they make a salad, and this one was excellent. 
I loved the use of seasonal ingredients and the clever fermented dressing which really brought the dish alive. Equally lovely was a dish of burrata with samphire, almond and chilli. Samphire, if you're not familiar with it, is a sea vegetable which grows on shorelines and marshland and in appearance and texture isn't unlike very fine asparagus. But it has a distinctive salty fresh flavour which was a great pairing for the smooth milkiness of burrata, the crunch of chopped almonds and heat of red chilli. The nooks have quite a selection of charcuterie and cheeses which you can order individually or choose two of which are then served with bread and a little pot of antipasti. Angus very kindly made us up a mixed board of cheese and meats, all of which were lovely, especially a washed rind soft cheese, which I'm afraid I didn't note the name of, and some excellent quite thickly sliced saucisson. These would be great as a little snack with a glass or two of wine, but made for an excellent course of our meal. Lastly, we tried something from the specials board, a beautiful brioche bun loaded with spicy, tangy pulled pork. Easily a meal in itself, we had to abandon most of the bun to have even a chance of finishing it. But that's in no way a complaint, more a by now typical expression of the abundance and generosity that go into the food here. Also generous was Angus and Lale very kindly giving me a couple of their wonderful dips to take home with me as a gift. Crunchy muhamara made from roasted Romano peppers, walnuts and garlic and the lightest, velvetiest hummus, spun through with crispy fried chickpeas and dressed with a fiery naga chilli oil. These were great with some crunchy endive leaves and flatbread, but I also used the hummus to dress a green salad which I served with a spiced pork stew I made later in the week. We drank a couple of glasses of a really lovely muscadet from the wine list, of which Angus, who compiles it, is justifiably proud. It's an interesting mix of classic wines and some natural and low-intervention wines, which, as the name suggests, are made with as little mechanical or chemical intervention as possible. I like this approach, offering something both for people who, like me, tend to stick to what they know when ordering wine, and those who are more adventurous and like to explore. It's kindly priced too, so you're not taking a massive financial gamble if you do decide to try something unfamiliar. Other restaurants take note. For all of this, we paid just £40 a head, including coffees and service, which you really can't argue with. As I think will be fairly obvious, I loved the Nook. That lovely name sums up what makes this such a special find. Cosy, welcoming, cosseting, somewhere to escape to for a happy couple of hours. I'm very happy to have crossed it off my list. I encourage you, please, to make sure it's on yours. For all information, visit the Nook London, that's T-H-E-N-O-O-K London, dot co, dot UK. Each week, I answer a listener's burning culinary question in Ask Hugel. This week's question comes from Adam in London, who says very succinctly, Hey Hugel, is it okay to eat asparagus with my fingers? Now, this is a very short question, so you might be expecting a very short answer, but there's more to Adam's inquiry than meets the eye. I'm assuming an unspoken in a restaurant at the end of the question, as it should hopefully go without saying that anything goes in your own home. And the specificity of asparagus tells me that this is something Adam already likes to do. So the question here isn't so much about what it at first appears to be, a ruling on whether there's a right way or wrong way to eat asparagus, but whether it's okay from an etiquette point of view for Adam to eat asparagus the way he likes to, which is with his fingers, and which by implication, and as we know, isn't how a lot of other people like to, which is with a knife and fork, when he's in a restaurant. 
Well, as regular listeners might recall, the very first question I answered on the very first episode of Hugh's Joy of Food was to do with whether there was a right way, and by extension a wrong way, to eat scones. And I said then, as I'll say now, that I really don't think it's anyone's business to decide how other people eat their food. And yet, so many people do make it their business. For far too long, endless books and column inches in magazines and newspapers have been devoted to etiquette, the making of arbitrary rules about how to eat certain foods, what cutlery to use to eat it, how to fold your napkin while you're eating it, which way to pass the port after you've eaten it, the list goes on. And it's all just so tedious. Not only tedious, but horribly snobbish too. The imposing of rules like this isn't, I don't believe, to help people get things right. It's to make people feel bad, to put them in their place if they get them wrong. The very idea of etiquette is such an anachronism anyway, and the idea that etiquette is the same as good manners is a fallacy. Because I can't think of anything that's worse manners than making someone feel uncomfortable for an unwitting breach of an arbitrary rule that benefits no one by its existence. Manners are important as guidelines for maximising everyone's enjoyment of a meal. Not eating with your mouth open for a start. Watching someone masticate is just gross and unnecessary. Sharing food, where sharing is expected, doesn't have to be the minefield some people make it out to be. Just don't take all of anything and be sure to offer things round the table. If I had my way, everywhere serving food that's meant to be shared would have a lazy Susan. A lot of people are squeamish about double dipping. That's dipping food or cutlery that you've already dipped once into a dip or sauce again. But personally, I think that's rather precious. It's far easier to double dip than to spoon dip onto your plate. And I can't see how it does any harm, unless the dipper happens to be riddled with cholera, in which case the salsa is probably the least of your worries. Being considerate is far more important than being correct. So to answer your question, Adam, yes, as long as eating asparagus with your fingers isn't liable to upset whoever you're eating with, and I really can't imagine how it could, it is very much okay to do so. And if it does upset them, well, you've done yourself a favour by working out that you probably shouldn't be having dinner with them again. For some really great tips on manners rather than etiquette, I highly recommend that you get yourself a copy of Manners, a modern field guide by Kay Plunkett-Hogg and Deborah Robertson, published by Pavilion. And if you'd like me to have a go at answering your food-related question, you can tweet me at hrwright or send me an email to hrw at hughrichardwright.com. For my final segment, Treat of the Week, each week I share something food or drink related that's been putting a smile on my face. This week, it's the pub. Or more specifically, finally being able to pop to the pub for a drink without having to book or eat or sit outside or book and eat while sitting outside. Just being able, as I've now done several times, to go to a boozer on the spur of the moment and sit with the papers or my husband or friends sipping a drink or two. More so even than restaurants, which I was at least able to enjoy through meal kits and alfresco dining, depending on the phase of lockdown we were in or briefly out of, I really missed pubs. Unlike restaurants, which at least were able to reopen, albeit with some restrictions for at least a while, 
for pretty much the whole of the past year or more, pubs were never really able to reopen in a way that reflected their usual way of working. That all changed on May the 17th, though, when, along with restaurants, pubs were finally allowed to reopen, and without most of the restrictions those that had been able to open at all had had to operate under. You still can't order a drink at the bar, and you have to be seated. But unless you're one of those hardcore pub goers who likes to prop up the bar at a stool, this really is no hardship at all. Apart from the alcohol, what was it I missed so much about the pub? I think the main thing I missed was the companionship, the easy camaraderie that comes from communal drinking. Go to a pub at any time of day, and believe me people do if the weather spoons I used to pass at 9am in the days when I worked in an office is anything to go by. And however many of you there are there, there's an instinctive togetherness that just isn't true of anywhere else. Go to a pub outside of mealtimes, between lunch and dinner or late evening, and whatever your reason for being there or none, it will always feel naughty, like playing truant from school. The only thing that can make a long lunch feel even more indulgent is going to the pub for one for the road afterwards, and there's always something thrilling, albeit disappointing, about being the last one out of the pub after time's been called. Since May the 17th, I've revisited a few of my favourite pubs, including Mayfair's Guinea Grill, The Lighthouse in Battersea, Soho Gay Stall at the Duke of Wellington, and my lovably ropey local, The Surprise. I've not yet made it back to probably my absolute favourite, The Draper's Arms in Islington, but you can be certain I'm planning to soon. And while some of my favourite pubs are at the fancier end of the scale, with excellent food and impressive wine lists, there's a huge place in my heart for the kind of pub where the menu such as it is extends to pork scratchings or scampy fries, and the choice of wine is white or red. Pubs don't have to be polished, and in many ways are often better if they're not, although I do prefer it if their glasses are. More even than restaurants and other hospitality businesses, which as I've said have for the most part been able to operate at least partially for at least some of the past year, the pub sector has taken the most almighty financial battering, which thousands of pubs haven't survived. Those that have will take months, if not years, to recoup their losses. So how's this for an idea? Next time you find yourself with an hour to spare, whatever the time of day, pop to the pub, treat yourself to a drink and a bag of crisps and bask in the knowledge that however naughty it might feel, you are in fact doing a very good deed. Just before I go, I'd like to ask that if you're in a position to, you'll consider supporting one of the many brilliant charities working tirelessly to ensure that children, disadvantaged families and the homeless don't go hungry during the pandemic, such as Magic Breakfast, Fair Share, Street Smart and the Trussell Trust. That's it for this week. Thanks ever so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch, you can tweet me at hrwright or send me an email to hrw at hughrichardwright.com. And I hope you'll join me next week for more of Hugh's Joy of Food. <laughs>